wonderful women, Dr. Rosina Lacani and Dr. And they're joining us today and they're going to offer wellness practices, specifically five habits that will help you be more well, more happy. And we're going to practice those. So you are on Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina. This is a place where we practice mindful tools and really just living your best life. So today I'd like to talk about Dr. Sandra Jane or introduce her. And she is the co-founder of Wild Five Wellness. She's also clinical psychology affiliate of the nursing program at University of Texas at Austin. Also, we have Dr. Rosina Lacani. She's an MD psychiatrist, author of the best-selling book, Stress to Joy, and a corporate consultant. You're listening to our live show, Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina. So again, today we're gonna to talk about the power of daily wellness habits, right? We're gonna simplify those with five easy steps and why it's important, what it will do for you. And at the end, we're gonna end with Dr. Rosina's special. So that will be waiting for you. Thank you, Kelly. And thank you, Sandra, for joining us. I just want to share with my audience today where I met Dr. Sandra. I met her at Psych Congress, and that is a prestigious conference that we psychiatrists and mental health professionals attend to learn best practices. And so she is the teacher of the teachers. So I'm really excited for you to join us today. And we are going to discuss some of the findings that she has found in her research, but also I'll ask some of the questions that my patients bring up that may help you guys too. So Dr. Sandra, welcome. And thank you so much, Dr. Rosina. Thank you, Kelly, for the very kind and generous introduction. I'm very excited to be with both of you and your viewers today. Thank you. Uh, let's start with why wellness is such popular in the media nowadays. Yeah, I think probably current now with COVID-19, we're very interested in how to improve our overall wellness in sort of in the face of COVID-19, we see an uptick in depression and anxiety, just overall general worries. And so in today's current state of affairs, it's very important. But prior to COVID-19, I think we all want to be our best possible self. And so wellness speaks loudly to most of us, whether patient population or just general community. So wellness is interesting. It's a beautiful marriage of mind and body. And later, I know we're going to have the opportunity to talk about positive impacts, both mind and body. So wellness is right there front and center, and I'm very happy to be part of it. So sometimes it's confusing because there's words like uh, health is used, wellness is used, recovery from illness. There's like so many different words that you, that I use. What is actually wellness? And I would also invite, if you are watching the program, if you can enter in the comment section, what do you guys think wellness is? Yeah, that's such a good question, Dr. Rosina, because there is some confusion. I think one of my most favorite things is to drive through small, medium, large-sized communities across the country, and you'll see different signs on businesses for wellness studio, wellness spa, chiropractic wellness. So sometimes when we use the word wellness, it can mean a lot of different things. So in our work, in our research, we go back to World Health Organization. They 
put out a definition, and you'll find this interesting. It was published in 1948. And what they told us, and I think it is very true even today, that wellness is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being. And it's important to note, it's not just the absence of disease. So as an example, as a patient, you may be symptomatically free of depression, but when we measure your wellness using a validated scale, what we find is wellness is on the low end. So we want a comprehensive definition, which World Health Organization has provided us with an excellent one. That's wonderful. Well, the question is, why is it so important? Why, why is it even more important than getting better from your illness? Because most of the time people go to the doctor when they're not feeling well. They just don't go, if they're doing okay, but they just don't go to feel well. Most people, I'm sure more and more people are becoming aware and now they are focusing on getting well. But most of the time people go to the doctor because they are having some problem with their throat or their body or their mind. So people don't usually traditionally have sought treatment for wellness. So why does it matter? Yeah. And again, another excellent question because it is important to have this conversation. Earlier, I said wellness is kind of the perfect marriage between mind and body wellness, the mind-body connection. We hear that a lot. But when we start looking at wellness, not only the data that's already been published, but what we've learned in our research is wellness not only improves things like depression, anxiety, our quality of sleep, but we find it improves wellness. So positive psychology, things like happiness, enthusiasm, resilience, optimism. But equally important and one we don't want to overlook is these wellness enhancing practices are also anti-inflammatory. And when you think about in our country, the rates of chronic medical illnesses, things like diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure. We know that there is an element of inflammation in these chronic illnesses. I mean, having access to medications is important, but what about the idea of combining that with these wellness enhancing practices that we're going to talk about because they're also anti-inflammatory. So in my opinion, it is an absolute win-win to begin incorporating and sustaining these types of practices. So how did you come up with five of those? Because there are so many, like you were mentioning earlier. What are these? How did you come up with this? And why do you call it WILD5 Wellness? Right. So WILD is an acronym for Wellness Interventions for Life's Demands. And mainly we wanted to make it kind of general. We didn't want it to be just for patients, just for mental health patients. We wanted it to be for patients in any specialty of medicine, anybody in the community who simply thought, hey, I want to improve how I feel. What can I do to feel better? So that's how Wild Five came to be. But when we sat down and we started thinking about what are we going to include, we did what researchers tend to do. We went to the data. And the data told us a very strong and convincing story. And that is these five practices 
exercise, mindfulness, sleep, social connectedness, and good quality nutrition, those five practices have the largest database of any wellness enhancing practices. So we just went with what was already proven and put it into a program, a 30-day program that we outlined. And then we've to date studied it in 12 different studies. So why why not, let's say, why not gratitude practice? Why not journaling? Why not yoga? Why these five? Yeah, such a good question. I'll tell you this. The, the one thing, and you're going to show a slide in a minute. Well, there it is right there. So perfect. And you'll see the very first, it says this program is simple. We knew if it was too complicated, if there were too many practices, people would have difficulty sticking with it. So we wanted to keep it as simple as possible. And again, we chose the five practices because they were the most supported in the data. But Dr. Rosina, you mentioned yoga. And that's a common question we get like, um, so why didn't you include yoga? It's just so beneficial in my life. Why is it not in the program? And it, I think it's a simple answer that when we went to the data, certainly yoga was there. There is data supporting yoga as a wellness enhancing practice, but it just wasn't as large a database as the five that we included. So we're not saying that the other practices, yoga, dance, laughter, all the things that we know that increase our overall sense of wellness. We're not saying don't do those, just do these. We're saying that based on data, these five rose to the top, and that's why we included them. And thank you for doing this because you see, I have my copy and I keep it on my desk. And when uh, when my patients see me, I recommend that they do this. Especially, you know, I treat people who have even failed medications. So they try them. They've tried everything. They try the medications. They're also not working. Then we try what we call a TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation. So by the time patient comes to me, they have tried a lot of things and they're kind of really disappointed that they feel helpless, that they can't do anything about, about their depression and so the, or, or other mental illnesses. So I can teach them that at least there are things that you can do these are the things that you can do easily to improve your mental health and well-being. So why not? And this really helps me because like prescriptive and there's like these journals that I tell them, like, you know, keep track. You know, if you're doing these exercises, keep track. And, you know, 30 days, we'll see how much you improve by just practicing these. And so I would really like to see see some data. But before even we do that, I want to ask you about that hero wellness scale that you talk about. Of course, of course. So when we started the program and began researching it about eight years ago, we had the five wellness enhancing practices that we just talked about a moment ago, but we knew there was something missing. And what was missing was the positive psychology piece to wellness. And so we came up with an acronym called HERO, the HERO scale, the HERO wellness scale. And HERO stands for happiness, enthusiasm, resilience, and optimism. And I'm very happy to share with you, Dr. Rosina and Kelly, that we just last year validated this wellness scale 
We make it available to anybody who wants it. There's no cost associated with it. And we encourage not only our patients, but our family members, our friends, some of our colleagues are using it for themselves personally. And we just say, track your overall wellness. How are you feeling? Because we're none of us are immune. We all fall victim to a drop in wellness when things get stressful. And so this particular scale just simply asks over the last seven days, how would you rate your overall happiness, enthusiasm, resilience, optimism and your overall mental health? And it's a Likert scale from zero to 10. Very simple. You score it. The higher your score, the higher your sense of wellness. So it's a great marker to keep track of how we're really doing. Wonderful. That's great. And I want to show people that I also keep this, this scale copy on my desk to share with my patients. But I am getting a question over here. Uh, where can they get copy of Wildfire Wellness or Hero Wellness Scale? Sure. So I believe at the end, uh, Dr. Rosina, you're going to share uh, not only my email address, but also our website. So if you have trouble downloading it from the website, if you just pop me a little email and say, can you send me the PDF? I'll share it with you. The workbooks are available on Amazon and the there's a 30 day program called Kickstart. There's also a 90 day program that we've also researched that just extends it through 90 days. I want you to know the data from 30 to 90 is very similar, not much different. So if your viewers are curious, which one should I get? It really does not matter. Each of the workbooks contain a URL where you can go and download all the journaling forms, all the tracking forms, either in black and white or in color, whatever makes you happy and increases your wellness. So it's not like once you finish 30 days, you have to go get another workbook. You have access to everything you need. And I want you to know, your viewers to know, because you already know this, Dr. Rosina, that the, the workbook is self-contained. You don't have to be working with a clinician or in treatment to be able to use this. It's very self-directed, sort of a sense of self-management. It's very empowering. You can do it on your own. So available on Amazon. And the other thing I really want your viewers to know is that this is a labor of love for us. That is myself and my partner in work and my partner in life, Dr. Rakesh Jane. We want people to have access to this. And so on Amazon, they're both priced at the very lowest possible amount. I think the 30-day workbook is just a tad over $6. But what we do to really assure people that it's a labor of love, every year at the end of the year, we donate any and all proceeds to two mental health charities. So we give back to the very patients that taught us the power of wellness. That is wonderful. Thank you for doing all this work. It really helps a lot of people. Thank you. At this time, I would like to ask you to share some of your data in terms of what did you find when you did do this research? Absolutely. Why don't we start with and look at our happiness measures? And I want your viewers to remember that this is pre-post scores after just a 30-day intervention. So when you think about commitments to overall wellness, most of us, when I, I think when we think about changing practice habits, we can do just about anything for 30 days. But when you see these numbers of change and improvement, I think it's very motivating to see what is possible 
for many people. And so you can see for happiness, when we measured before and after the program, 30 days, we saw a 30% improvement in self-reported happiness. For enthusiasm, 51%. And for resilience, really look at that number. We saw an overall improvement of 63%. And so this idea of resilience is important in a mental health practice because resilience is all about overcoming trauma, that internal strength and outlook to be able to rise above bad things that have happened. But resiliency is also important in a work setting, in our normal home and social life. So to see a 63% self-reported improvement, we were over the moon excited with these results. And not to leave out optimism, the glasses half full versus uh, half empty, we saw an on average a 45% improvement. So these numbers really across all 12 studies have consistently been very, very similar. And so we, we knew based on this that we were on to something and it was important to get the word out to not only clinic-based pra- clinic based practices, but also to the community at large that, like you said, Dr. Rosina, here's an opportunity. We can do these things on our own and really make a change. What about what about people with depression or anxiety? Does it help people who already have the illness? Absolutely. You we can look at a couple of things here. We can look at improvements in depression, anxiety as well as sleep quality and I think because in clinic practice, probably for most cl- clinicians, that's a number one complaint from patients. I'm not sleeping well. So we did see considerable improvement. So with depression, you can see overall about a 43% improvement in depressive symptoms for anxiety, very close at 40%. And overall sleep quality improvement, a 29% improvement. And just to sort of put it into context, I'll share with you in one of our very earlier studies, one of the nurse practitioners who referred patients to participate in the study referred us a patient who was really struggling and had been in treatment for about 15 years and on multiple different medications and kind of just hanging in there. And this patient or participant enrolled in the study. And after 30 days, the numbers were very similar to this. And she called me on the phone and said, this is remarkable. I've just not seen these kind of improvements in this short period of time when taking care of people with this degree of difficulty. So it is effective, at least my end of one for that particular patient in what I would consider really seriously impaired individuals with depression, anxiety. But overall, we've studied this in a population of mild to moderate depression, anxiety, and sleep difficulties. So just to give you a little bit of context of the type of conditions we've actually studied. Wonderful. So we have a question coming from Ben here, and he is saying that he was wondering if any of the studies involved a control group, and if not, how do we know these results are not due to placebo effect? Yeah. 
Really, it's such a good question. And it's probably a question when, for any study where we do open label. And we've been asked the question a number of times, and I'll just give you the very, very honest answer that all of these studies, all of the creation of the materials, we've not had any outside support, any companies funding what we're doing. And so all of this has come from us personally. And so when we looked at doing open label versus control study, randomized control study, it was, that's just a bigger project. It requires many more people than our N of two. Uh, and it requires a lot of dollars to support that kind of research. So this in any of the articles that we've had published about the work, we always put that in as a limitation. Like I think most researchers do that open label, uh, you have to take it uh, for what it is and realize that placebo effect probably does play a role, but I will tell you this, this program, all of the research studies, all 12 of them, there is no face-to-face -face contact with participants. So placebo is a little bit controlled, I think, because we're not meeting with people. We're simply having them watch a video, an introductory video. They have an orientation and screening call with me, which takes about 15 minutes. And then they're off and running with the workbook on their own. Everything's captured online. So I'm hoping that placebo is controlled a little bit because we're not actually meeting with them weekly. Wonderful. So let's see what we can give to our audience so that they can start practicing their wellness. So are you guys ready to improve your wellness? Yay, give us, a, give us a thumbs up. All right. And so let's talk about one thing at a time. And so start with nutrition. If you can, you know, one of the things that I have, uh, I have seen is that most of my patients, you know, they know about importance of nutrition, but sometimes it is harder for them to practice that. And so can you help us what aspect of nutrition does this program teach us? Yeah, excellent question. I'll tell you a couple of things up front, and then I'll tell you what we ask people to do during the 30 days. So based on research, because we're going to go to the data, we're going to look at what it tells us, and then we tried to build the program around the data. And what we know from the data is the most effective diet in terms of research is a Mediterranean is the Mediterranean diet or a Mediterranean like diet. And so for Kickstart 30 in the world of Wild Five Wellness, the only thing we ask participants to do is to track their food. We want you to track all your meals, all your snacks, any sugary beverages like real soda, sweetened tea, whatever you may be drinking, and then any alcohol if you're drinking at all. And participants will always ask, well, should I do like set a weight loss goal? Should I be weighing myself every day? What am, what am I supposed to be doing? It's not a weight loss program. We're not advertising it or promoting it as such. It's more about mindful eating because we know that when people track consumption, they eat fewer calories. So interestingly, we did see some some participants reporting weight loss, but we wanted people to know that's not the that's not the foundation of this program. Just track and tracking can be done using an app. Some people use I mean, there's a number of different weight loss 
uh, nutrition tracking apps available. And we were fine with that, or we were certainly fine with the good old fashioned way of a piece of paper and a pen. So again, as simple as you can make it, that's what we want you to do. Wonderful. Kelly, have you tried to ever track your food? You know, I have Dr. Rosina, and I got to tell you, there have been times where I think I'm not eating very much and I'm eating a few more servings than I anticipated, <laughs> especially during this time. You know, I do pretty good during the day. And then you, being the stay at home model with COVID, I'm sitting on my couch at night and I'm having a few more rounds of those potato chips. To Dr. Sandra's point, for the most part, we kind of, we know what's somewhat healthier, right? We know, well, now we know the Mediterranean research-based diet that helps people's health. But, you know, I kind of find myself wandering off, even though I know what I should be doing. So. Well, to your point, Kelly, if I could say this, one of the mantras, if you will, of Wild Five Wellness is this. This program, the goal is not perfection, right? Mm -hmm. We're only looking at progress. Right. And some days we don't get it. Yes. And so it's also about almost like a loving kindness meditation, if you will, to help us learn how to just be kinder and gentler to ourselves when we have that moment where we scarf down a whole bag of potato chips instead of a little baggie. So, right. yeah. Right. And Dr. Sandra, I'm so glad you said that because I think when it comes to our health and our bodies, we know to nourish it, but just to not get caught up in, in that self-punishment or over fixation, right? So doesn't work. Now, there's so much information, so much discussion we can have about this topic. So I'm aware of the time. So I'm going to proceed, but I just want to let everybody know that our next show next Saturday is on food and mood. And uh, you're getting nutrition psychiatrist to share our thoughts about how food affects our brain and our mood. So, so we'll, we'll discuss further. And so why don't we take a few minutes to go through the other four wellness practices and we'll see if we can find other experts or maybe you can come back, Sandra, again, to go in detail of some of the other practices. But if you can briefly walk us through the other four at this time. Absolutely. So let's just start with exercise and go all the way around because we end on nutrition. So for exercise, we ask participants or anybody, I mean, you may be doing it on your own, but to, to exercise at least 30 minutes a day. And again, that's seven days a week, all 30 days, right? 30 minutes. But the good news is this. You don't have to do it all at 30 minutes. You can break it into two, 15 minutes, three, 10 minutes, any form of exercise that you're not overexerting yourself or putting yourself at risk of in, in, uh, injury to make sure you have a physician's approval to engage in that type of exercise. The only caveat to the 30 minutes a day aiming for moderate intensity, right? We want, we want that heartbeat to go up. This is the only exception. People who come to the program who have a chronic health condition or chronic pain condition, let me correct that. We do not want people to injure themselves. And so we tell them if your pain speaks up and is barking at you, it's okay to listen to it. And as long as you made your very best effort to get your 30 minutes in for the day, you can check off that day as I did it. Because it's hard to go from being sort of couch bound in extreme physical pain to really pumping it up to 30 minutes a day like, like that. So give them a little bit of leeway. Wonderful. 
mindfulness meditation. I had such a great time last Saturday listening to your Facebook Live interview and you talked a lot about mindfulness meditation map and I just, it was so informative. I loved it. So mindfulness meditation, we simply ask that people meditate 10 minutes a day. And in the study, they have to use the same form of meditation so we can kind of compare apples to apples. But for anybody outside of research, you can do any form of meditation for that 10 minutes that you want to. You can use an app for that. You can do a silent meditation, a breath meditation. You can break it up into five minutes, five minutes. Uh, because for some people, even sitting for 10 minutes is not going to happen. So kind of building up. So those are two sleep. We ask people to implement four out of the six sleep hygiene practices. And I'll just mention a couple of them because they're outlined in the workbook. And what those are would be things like not drinking caffeine or caffeinated drinks at least 10 hours before bedtime, not napping in the afternoon because we know how disruptive that is. And I'm going to warn your viewers, this will be the one that will make their head explode. But we ask people to use no electronic media for anything like that, TV, iPad, you name it, for 90 minutes before bedtime. And so that's also a big, it's kind of a bitter pill to swallow for most of us. And so if 90 minutes is not doable, then just start with 15 minutes and try to build up and notice if it makes a change in how you feel. And then the very last one, just quickly, social connectedness, which is a big deal in this era of COVID-19, right? So social connectedness is simply doing this each and every day, connecting either via phone or with an in-person encounter with a family member or a friend. And we don't ask people to document how long it is, what you did, just that you connected. Now, we used to have texting as one of the options. And we did a very large study at a liberal arts college outside of Madison, Wisconsin. And this is what we found. I think your viewers will find this very interesting. Their social connectedness scores did not change one bit after a 90-day intervention. But their adherence to doing social connectedness was 99 point some odd percent. So they were texting like crazy, right? They were just connecting, connecting, connecting. But their actual sense of genuine sense of connection to their community, their friends did not change a stitch. And so we removed texting as an option and kept it face to face or phone. Now, in the era of COVID-19, that has to be modified, but it's pretty obvious. We can do the video. There you go. There you go. Wonderful. All right. So what if people don't practice these, uh, these wellness practices? What, what kind of problems do you see happening when people don't practice these? It's a good question. I think we focus most of our energy on the good stuff that happens, the improvements that happen. And so I think probably a simple basic answer to that is that if you're not doing those things, you're not going to be at your best. Yeah. You no, know, you're, sort of, you're sort of leaving cash on the table, if you will. Here's an opportunity to really improve mental and physical wellness, better outcomes. So you're probably just going to stay where you're at. Yeah. When I was writing my book, The Stress to Joy, you know, I had the option of either focusing on just the stress or just the joy. Because when you're writing a book for a specific audience, 
my coaches were asking me, what do you want to write about? Do you want to write about stress or do you want to write about joy? And I said, they both go together. You know, if you just focus on stress reduction, your stress level goes down, but you don't feel really happy. The goal is to be able to feel happy and healthy. And so therefore they go together. When you treat an illness, like you said, like, you know, either rheumatoid arthritis or depression or diabetes or any chronic medical condition, you treat it not just absence of symptoms, but actually feeling good, feeling well. And so I think when people don't focus on the wellness, then they don't feel their best. If they do, then like we saw the data, their depression improves, their anxiety improves, their sense of well-being improves. They feel more happier and healthier and probably live longer lives too. Yeah. So uh, I know your book is coming out or did it already come out? I so this book is different than the workbook. Can you just tell us a little bit about it? Yes. So we had lots of requests from clinicians, practicing clinicians, wanting sort of a resource book, if you will. And so we wrote the science and practice of wellness, looking at the hero elements, happiness, enthusiasm, resilience, and optimism. And we divided the book into sort of the science behind wellness so that sometimes wellness is perceived as fluff. You know, oh, it sounds good, but we're, we're dealing with real stuff. And we, part of our messaging and part of our drive is to show that wellness deserves to be at the treatment planning table. It matters. We've got data. It's evidence-based. And so we provided in the one third of the book, just the science behind it. And then the middle part of the book is about implementation. So if you're a practicing clinician and you want the how-to, it's there for you. And then the very last part of the book really are the success stories. Those, those participants that really stood out as being, as really having benefited. And that's written in their words. We modified that, not at all. And to me, that's the part of the book that I go to because it's just so inspiring to hear them talk about just the changes they experienced. So the book is available and we're super excited about it. It was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. So is it available on Wild 5 Wellness or Amazon? Amazon. Yes. So Dr. Sandra, Dr. Rosina, you have both offered us so much insight. You guys, we've talked about five simple habits. If, if you're joining late and you've missed this, I encourage you, please rewatch it. I feel pretty inspired right now. It's not about perfection, but there are five. So, you know, there's nutrition, exercise, social connectedness, and mindfulness. And so... It's pretty straightforward. For additional resources, I know we just mentioned you can get Dr. Sandra's book on Amazon. And, you know, there's the Wild Five workbook that she's offering as well. So don't forget about that. And then you can go to drrosina.com for her Stress to Joy book, too. Also, you can text, as you can see on the screen, 38470. And we can provide the slides from today's presentation, today's show for you. So we will be here. Oh, and before I forget, how could I forget this? We have Dr. Rosina's special. So Dr. Rosina, can you walk us through that part? Sure. Thank you, Sandra, Thank for joining. You. And I, I'm sure we'll be inviting you again because I think there's a lot of things that we're not able to talk today that you can help our audience further. So thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Sandra. Today's special is about my walking 
in the evening. So with the COVID-19, we have started more regular walks. Dr. Sandra was saying that it's important to do the exercise every day, but sometimes with the rush of life, we don't get time to do the exercise. But with COVID-19, everybody is stuck at home. Now we have to go for a walk every day. And there is so much frustration and fear that when I saw this scene, it really helped me change that fear to hope. So you may have heard me in past that whenever I'm taking a walk, looking at these little buds or the new growth, it really inspires me. And it gives me the sense of hope. When I see these, do you see these light colored tips on this plant? And that shows that these buds have moved into small growth and this growth is going to result in more flourishing and prosperity prospering. And so my message today for you is go for walks, but on your walk, notice the tips of these branches. And when you see this new growth and these buds flowering, feel that joy and feel that hope that all your difficulties are going to pass. Like these trees withstand the, the heat, the wind, the rain, the snow, but their patience pays off and the next year the new growth comes, your difficulties would also be removed and you would, be, you would come out stronger and more resilient and feel the well-being and health and happiness.